When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me our guest Jia today in discussions on uh, globalization. This is the second second episode in the series of revisiting globalization 2023. The question which is in everybody's mind with all the things happening around us are we heading for deglobalization? Is it possible to untangle the strong ties built around nation states in past decades through the flow of goods, services, data, people, knowledge, all of it put together? What problems is globalization facing? What could be possible outcomes? We all realize that a lot of things have moved around us. Uh, the most recent recession, before that, uh, Russia-Ukraine, before that, COVID, uh, before that, Brexit, before that, the tariff war, which uh, US and China had, which disrupted a lot of trade ties right there. And before that also, we get financial crisis. So a lot of variations have come in. A lot of things have moved. So let's talk to our guest, JR, today. That what are the major problems globalization is facing? Now, JR, JR Klein is the principal of JR Global, a consulting firm dedicated to facilitating global transformation. And uh, it is done through local initiatives that particularly strengthen markets by emphasizing on leadership and systemic change, which is very important, systemic change. Uh, JR has been active in social impact financing for more than four decades. Uh, he is an Oxford University uh, Press published author. He has published three books on the subject of global business, and he's an authority on g- globalization and how the business world works across the globe. He's a thinker. He's an artist. And he has expertise in organizational structure, cultural sensitivity, pragmatic leadership, and planning and social impact. His expertise on this, these subjects is recognized worldwide. Hi, JR. Hello, Mahesh. Welcome back. Uh, we had a very good discussion in our last episode on revisiting globalization 2023. Hot topic in the year 2023. Now, a lot of trends are pretty visible. A lot of focus on uh, decarbonization in the whole world, how to decarbonize. Uh, It's uh, uh, collecting most of the nations to work together towards the goal. But some of the countries may not be able to do uh, at the rate the developing economies are trying to do because they feel developed economy has uh, or have already developed and they did their share of uh, releasing carbon dioxide and others in the atmosphere. 
and uh, the developing countries and underdeveloped were poor their priorities are there for decarbonization but beyond that they have some national commitments uh, to serve their population so they may take a little bit of longer time but overall on on that aspect it looks like there may be a different opinion or different uh, uh, timelines but they are all in unison that they have to do it i would consider that uh, if there are 130 countries now got together after paris accord then cop 26 27 assigned towards like uh, the countries can work together on global issues which are very pressing issues having said that now look at the other things which we discussed in the last episode and and are definitely uh, worth considering in our prelude today is um brexit uh the tariff war which started between us and china and many countries uh started including saudi and some other uh, countries in middle east like in in country value addition and uh india started made in india so make in india rather so come make here and uh that triggered some of those uh, behaviors which may make somebody think that people or the countries or nation states are going on their own way and that may impact globalization now that's can be taken on a negative side including britain coming out of european union having said that if you look at some other act- activities which have ho- uh, happened in the past decade or so the advent of internet technology and the movement of uh, um, goods services knowledge all of it uh, you can order anything on any of the trading platforms e-commerce platforms amazon or somebody you order today um, from any city in us and if it's available it may be flying into you from china or from some other location gets delivered so not only it's a flow of goods there's a flow of data there's a flow of capital there is a flow of uh, uh, migrant laborers migrant knowledge workers also there is a lot of cross border work happening so all these events have happened at different times and in between we have seen financial crises we have seen pandemic and we have seen some other geopolitical fractures natural calamities so of course anybody would have a question in mind so what is happening to globalization it is still alive or is globalization dying well mahesh as you point out so ineptly in your introduction there is certainly no lack of information uh right. there's all kinds of information that we have from all kinds of different sources and i think that's sort of a good point for me to start today is to begin to think a little bit about this underlying data and and as um, also mentioned a little bit there's always a lot of different opinions different perspectives on on what is actually happening in the world Uh, we talked last week or our last episode uh about um, the idea of globalization becoming sort of the 
the whipping boy for all kinds of problems. You know, countries uh, attributing a lot of their woes to to globalization. Um, but and it's it's even interesting to to look at uh, how people come up with those kinds of perspective. And and in my mind, believe it or not, it seems as though uh, they're going back to data, looking at data. And then, so when we get there, I, I just need to, to say this when I begin to talk here about the underlying data that kind of relates to uh, global trends that, that many call warnings of a, a sort of a um, uh, paradigm point, you know, that, that we've reached yeah. where globalization is, is going away. What we're talking about here is pure data, looking at data w- without any analysis. Now, we can have opinions about data. When we get those numbers in, we get that, those statistics in, those statistics are, 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 are a big stack of knowledge. Without some understanding, though that knowledge, just the pure form of that data, is not always telling the story. Okay, and so the the narrative kind of today is uh, uh, that, uh, as I said, there's there's got some there's some warning trends here. Now we can see this idea of. Uh, potentially uh, having some kind of a, a, a traumatic, um, uh, and, and I wouldn't want to say an explosion. What I want to say is mm-hmm. a, a traumatic experience in globalization. We can see this in very various ways. For example, you know, parts of the economy, there are parts of the globalization, uh, like you mentioned, the flow of trade, flow of capital, ideas, services people have have sort of slowed down in the short term while some of them like like uh, like services uh, are still historically high uh, that might kind of give the impression that globalization is on the verge of a downward path especially once you consider some underlying dynamics uh, of things like uh, uh, trade protection and, and regional uh, expect I would call it expectationalism what what we think we're going to get out of it uh, now another way to consider this the pace of globalism is to look at the aggregate activity in the world's most uh, open globalized economies mm-hmm. so, so if we were we were to add together the GDP of uh, let's pick some countries. Uh, I'm going to pick them very specifically, like Ireland, Switzerland, Belgium, Singapore, Netherlands. These are small, open economies that are, in many respects, the 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 canaries in the coal mine uh, for uh, for the world economy, mm-hmm. in the sense that that they are the first usually to sort of pick up new trends and they're 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 trending stands to their the trend I'm sorry the trend is to uh, grow a little bit more slowly 
and is uh, usually below the average growth um, in other economies around the world. That this, th these are these are groups that uh, that are what what would I call them? Um, uh, these are are small, almost <laughs> almost unnoticed uh, economies. Okay. Uh, that to go along with that, the rise of new technologies in manufacturing and supply chain management um, has has meant that uh, many uh, goods require less capital today uh, than than they have before. Yeah, if you're just looking at the data, it looks like they're requiring less capital. And then on top of that. We have we have these uh, trade disputes. You know, there's this ongoing uh, dispute between the United States and China. Uh, the pandemic hit us. We have a war in Ukraine. All of these have sort of fractured at the, some point. Fractured that uh, that supply chain. Uh, and the the other kind of little uh, piece of uh, trending that we look at is this this change in technology has enabled uh, some countries uh, uh, primarily western companies uh, to re relocate their operations back into their own their own countries now so there's this one trend there's this one narrative sort of this sense that global uh, Globalization and trade uh, has stopped growing. Uh, it's reinforced by narrative claiming that the globalization pie has stopped expanding. Uh, it's almost like we've gotten as big as we can get. Also, the, the rise of protectionism means that the debate on globalization today is really about who who gets who gets the slices of the global pie, uh, and and how large how large and how tasty is that slice really needs to be? Yeah, that's very important what you say, uh, Jr. Jr. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Uh, we have to take a short break, and we'll continue our discussion on this very interesting subject after the break. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, and we have our guest, J.R., talking to us about uh, globalization. This is our second episode uh, on the subject of revisiting globalization 2023. Uh, JR, we are in our segment two. Sorry, I had to interrupt you at the end of segment one. You're talking about the prevailing narrative and you're talking about what uh, piece of the pie you get. Would you please continue on that? Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. The, the- this uh, this sort of thinking of globalization as this pie, and we and we try and allocate different uh, different portions of the pie, and not only how big it is, but but uh, you know what does our portion taste like? Uh, you know, it, it, this might help to explain why politicians uh, who vocally stand up for their constituents or their kind of corners in this trade related debate. Um, Really uh, are being rewarded in elections. Um, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. In the United States, many candidates uh, for election uh, tend to take on more of a protectionist stance on trade, on immigration, especially where um, they are not certain of being reelected. Right. Yeah. The the what it's troubling about that narrative on globalization is that instead of proposing ways that it can thrive or grow more substantially, many countries, politicians, commentators suggest ways to borrow or reclaim or take somebody else's slice of the pie. You know, uh, trade policy is is becoming the the sort of the proving ground for this hypothesis. The trade dispute between the U.S. and China really has entangled almost all of Americans' allies and and allies of of China either. And in, in thinking about this, there's really been very few genuine trade agreements that have been struck in the last 20 years. Uh, we had we had um, uh, the this this new one, the uh, United States Mexico Canada agreement that that decided to cook up everybody's attention a, a number of years ago. That w- there was not much more than sort of a cosmetic scrubbing 
uh, up of a version of the North American Free Trade Agreement. Yeah, uh, that was, you were right. That was literally like NAFTA revisited. Yeah, really. Uh, there's really not been a significant significant international trade uh, agreement since the, the GATT treatment, the, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, in 2001. So in, in this narrative that we're talking about, there are significant material indicators that globalization is slowing down. You know, we were, we were inside of this narrative, we see a lot about the structure of everyday life is becoming more volatile. Social media uh, have uttered, uh, utterly changed the way that, that, uh, that we use our time and we do our socializing. Uh, and more broadly, in, in several developed countries, uh, uh, the level of what the United Nations would call human development, this like uh, life expectancy, education, uh, those, those levels are stalling. Some cases they're, they're, they're reversing. And you know, little things like, you know, out of the last 20 years, Mahesh, 19 of those years have been the hottest years on record. That is true. Yeah. Uh, and, and sort of there's, there, inside of that, there's a sort of this lack of, of political accountability and rapid change, new technologies, trade disputes. Um, uh, we get a, a worrisome picture. You, you, man, you, you mentioned a little bit about cross-border flows of financial assets, uh, sort of this, this uh, continued downward trend from uh, their pre-pandemic uh, uh, um, peak. Um, we find also that profits of multinational uh, companies, uh, which are really not strictly, I would call, an indicator of globalization, uh, but they're a valuable gauge of the health of the actors in the industry. Uh, some say that they've 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 reached their peak. Now, I think a lot of this is driven by uh, the profound dissatisfaction with the political class. Uh, and we talked about a little bit last uh, episode about where that kind of comes from. It comes primarily from a middle class who has seen their wages and their wealth growth sort of stagnate over the last 30 years or more. Uh, and and the, the, the differing fortunes, fortunes of large corporate actors, uh, we see that happening, but we see it happening with little recognition or concern about the issues that everyday people sort of have to grapple with. So, so that's that's part of what we see. If we're looking at if we're looking at this idea that globalization is in a downturn, and that um, uh, it, it we're it, it's it's soon going to go away. And I, I also remind our we'll remind ourselves at this point that uh, there are there's plenty of information. Uh, and with plenty of information, there's coming there. There comes a lot of different opinions. 
So at this point, I'd like to really stop for a minute and then begin to look at other interpretations here. Yeah, um, I think that you bring in a very good point. That that's lovely. You know, so yes. go ahead. Uh, so so uh, if 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 we could, I would like to take a, a, a look at where we are at the beginning of 2023. You know, what what do our what are what are, what does it look like? What is, what's the world look like? And we gauge that on trade and capital and information and all that stuff. So take a little time to really, uh, I would say, fairly briefly go through and look at what has what is happening today. Yeah, okay. that's important. That's important. Okay, so uh, I I can take off on that, and and uh, then you stop me when you need to. <laughs> so so let's look at let's look at world trade for a bit. You know, after after plummeting uh, at the onset of the pandemic, uh, world trade in goods bounce back to its pre-pandemic level by the end of 2020 or, or before the uh, pre I'm sorry the pre uh, uh, levels uh, before the end of 2020 you know we had 19 and 20 and part of 19 and 20 where everything the bottom fell out of everything that was that was pandemic uh but after that we've seen we've actually seen 2001 uh um uh, being a record year as far as trade uh, is concerned yeah right uh, 21 was record yeah yeah and that's and that's that's reasonable i mean you think about the way trade roared back after after uh, uh the 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 adver- the the average person a uh, 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 household, uh, uh, community, uh, country, kind of move back into normalcy. You know, uh, even even despite that disruption in the global supply chain, and that was mainly due to the upsurge in demand. The, the, there was a lot more demand. There was a lot more trade, and we seem to uh, uh, we've seen a real uptick since then. the The next piece of this I would look at quickly is the is the flow of capital. Much like uh, trade, international capital flows also plummeted at the beginning of the pandemic, and they have also recovered. In 2020, foreign trade investment, uh, which which uh, reflects uh, companies buying and building and reinvesting in operations abroad, uh, fell below a uh, trillion dollars for the first time since 2015. Or, I mean, 2005. And that's uh, very critical. This subject, this number that you're bringing in, because that we discussed uh, one time about that the top five companies have uh, more market cap. These are multi multinational companies than the bottom almost 150 countries. So they make a lot of difference in the progression of uh, globalization or regression. Exactly, and 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 see these sort of record levels of ec- economic uncertainty are unsurprisingly. 
have prompted firms to basically hold off on commitment of new investment. Yeah, that's dangerous for the, for the for the economy. Well, yeah, and it, it has its ramifications, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. And 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 if uh, when we look at information flow, you know, uh, international data flow surged as the put uh, kind of <laughs> kind of the opposite of what happened in in trade and capital. Uh, international data flow surged as the pandemic set in, and, and mainly because everybody had to go online. They had to sort of set up this interpersonal interaction online. The the average or the annual growth rate of international uh, internet traffic roughly doubled in 2020. We're pr pretty much that the middle of that pandemic episode. But but that as we're seeing our at this point, that was probably just a one-time spike. International data flow are are still growing, uh, but they're growing a lot more more slowly. For example, um, they're 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 uh, they've slowed down a little bit in 2019, but in in 2021, uh, they grew they grew more slowly. They're the the active word there is they continue to grow, but they've just slowed down. That may that may be part of the old axiom: slow and steady wins the race. And then yeah. the next one, the next one here, uh, Mahesh, I think for me is just an amazing one, and and it's one of those blinding flashes of the obvious that I'm I, I know I I I I realize this because uh, you know you and I do a lot of traveling. And uh, uh, that uh, that was not the normal thing to do during those pandemic years. This people flow, this international flow of people, uh, uh, had been restricted severely by the pandemic. Um, again, for the for the uh, obvious reason, I didn't want to have a transmission of the the virus. The number of people traveling to foreign countries in 2020 fell by 73%. Uh, and, and at the end of 2021 was still down by, by 71%. Uh, the pandemic reversed three decades of growth of international travel as as did also the 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 war and uh, recovery in Europe. Now we're beginning to see that uh, tip up a little bit, but uh, I'm sure not as quickly as the industries would want. But the still the tending growth there is is coming back. Yes, uh, yeah, I, that's a, that's a very important point you bring in. Yeah. yeah, I'm again so sorry to interrupt you. We need to take a short break and we'll continue our discussion after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are in our segment three. And we are having a discussion on globalization. Is world heading for deglobalization or uh, the events across the globe in past many years are forcing them to combine and succeed together? Uh, JR, I'll let you continue. You, I, I don't want to break your chain of thought, which you had in second segment. Well, that, that's, that's good. I, I'm just going to put a cap on what we were talking about, this, this whole idea of the flow of, of, uh, of uh, uh, capital and trade and, and, uh, and people. Uh, the, the growth and uh, geographic reach of the international flow uh, can, can rise and, uh, over and fall over time. Uh, what what the data? Remember, we're here. We're recently talking about data and the narrative around that data. Um, what the data, if in under when you analyze it, it actually says that there is a normal sort of ebb, a rise and flow over time. That, but but the fundamental drivers of success in the global strategy remains unchanged. Okay. Uh, and, and so no matter what those narratives say, uh, the, the uh, an analysis of the data really shows that that uh, globalization uh, is probably here to stay. The, the similarities and the difference between countries uh, sort of define the landscape for international value creation and and the, the task of the global strategist is to sort of navigate the opportunities and threats presented by both, the, uh, as, the, as Harvard Business Review would say, both by the bridges and the barriers in, in, in the market. And so one thing that I think, the thing both of these narratives have in common is that that uh, all sort of speculate that globalization may not be replaced, uh, but it certainly will probably be restructured. 
And by that, I mean, what we see is that that restructuring will probably be more multipolar, uh, you know, around the world, probably dominated by three or four specific regions that increasingly do things in in their own distinctive way. Uh, the, the the relative power between countries and regions will balance out, we think, and then new constellations will will emerge. You're so right, and I, I, I hate to interrupt you, but you, you're really so right on the constellations, because you see the another factor which came in was uh, Ukraine, Russia thing. And the expectation was some hard lines drawn and few things happened. But you see in international arena, there has been some maturity shown by various countries, nation states in in managing the global supply chains despite that massive disruption. It is not being uh, taken to the state of blame where the sanctions uh, spread from uh, one country to the other supporting countries or something. I personally feel that's a result of uh, the entangled networks of globalization that if you find somebody else supporting somebody, you can't suddenly cut them off. Like one example is Europe, the kind of energy needs they have, although it can feel like that they are funding Russia sorry, to, to fund the war, but they could not cut down their supply lines of energy from Russia. Although they stated that they want to do, they have to go gradually. And those that shows that you're so widely entangled and dependent on certain things that till you build the new supply chain, it's not abrupt that, okay, I'm in war with you, so over, no more. I'll not take it from you. So it may not be the best example of the entangled global networks, but this could be one part of it, that how Europe is rebuilding their energy supply chain from other suppliers and uh, not abruptly cutting it. Uh, with what they were getting from Russia, because they, that's impossible. They have to take care of, uh, they're hating that war. They they don't like Russia, what they're doing, but they just cannot cut off the supplies coming from there. And similarly, Russia is also not cutting off, you know. So yeah, this is to Yeah, and, and your your example is really good about about how how sort of regional areas are, are uh, I think I'm going to use the word struggling with uh, how how what it what it means to be uh, interconnected. Uh, you know, you have your own. Uh, uh, if you're a country, your own personal uh, priorities that may not uh, that may not connect very well to one of your allies' personal priorities. Yet you both have the same situation, the same kinds of problems, and have to come up with answers that that you both agree on. You know, this, this to me, really begins to point to this idea of multipolar, uh, a multipolar change. Uh, there's three significant players that seem to be moving toward dominating uh, in, in the geopolitical area. Uh, these will probably be the players that are, well, 
will probably uh, run the, the the new game in the 21st century. And and uh, you and I have talked about these before. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it three and and maybe another one that the the China centric Asia area uh, in in uh, in the Pacific coast and and the China area I think will be one. I think the Americas uh, will be another one. Uh, uh, both continents. Uh, I think uh, that Europe will probably be the the, the third one. Uh, they have they have an abundance of of developed countries. Uh, they're they're getting a little bit better, kind of working together in the EU. Although, as I said before, uh, there's still conflict and priorities there. Now, the fourth one I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to postulate that the fourth one would be India. Yeah, it could be. It could constitute the fourth pole, but uh, but I, I'm not quite sure if they're if they're quite ready. Each of each of these blocks or poles or great powers will will take a distinctive approach at economics, uh, society, military, the internet, and and really several other things. Now, the next question then becomes: What happens when sort of these Globalism kind of begins to appear in three or four different iterations. Um, there are a number of things are probably going to happen um, the, as the world becomes uh, uh, dominated. I'll, I'll, that's a strong word, but I'll say dominated by uh, three great sort of intercontinental powers. First of all, countries, uh, there's going to be countries that will fall between the cracks. Um, mm -hmm. uh, before they're going to be forced to uh, redefine their place in the world, and I just mentioned a couple of the ones that uh, uh, that pop into my mind. Uh, United Kingdom uh, is is good one. Britain is. Japan, Russia is going to have to do some rethinking. Australia is another one, uh, and uh, countries that like that act uh, that lack. Uh, the economic power uh, sort of to match the military might of the of the big three right uh, uh, so these these countries and I, I probably would put Russia in that category may have to rethink their national development goals uh, uh, countries with vast economic potential like like India, uh, may have to start a re, uh, to remake uh, other facets of their power base, and I suggest maybe that means military. Uh, the, the The new coalitions may form, uh, and and again, you'll you'll hear a couple of familiar <laughs> countries here. One of one potential is these are small, developed countries of the world. Uh, and uh, my list is a little bit different. Uh, I think of Sweden, Switzerland, Ireland, Singapore, New Zealand. Again, many times these smaller kinds of developed economies are the are the canaries in the coal mine. These countries increasingly suffer similar uh, policy challenges and seek to compare notes with each other when they are figuring out how to bring about solutions. These countries generally 
represent, I, I, I would call them enlightened democracies that, that sort of demonstrate um, best practices when it comes to policymaking. Uh, and, and, then, and then there's other things that I would see inside of this um, polar world. Uh, we, we talk a lot about uh, institutions uh, that are so predominant inside of a globalized, uh, interconnected world. Uh, some that is very true. Like even WTO, World Economic Forum, there are so many. Yeah, yeah exactly. Have a to play here. Yeah, exactly. Th those institutions, reasons and institutions, uh, may be increasingly left behind. Um, institutions like the World Bank, uh, like uh, International Monetary Fund, World Trade Association, and and NATO may may even you know, in a world of, of intercontinental players may, may be defunct uh, and would have to be placed by other kind of greater powers of diplomacy, I guess. Uh, and so we're inside of this, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to suggest that even though this polarization seems to be a little bit scary, that it is not the 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 disappearance of globalization it is just a sort of a different structure uh, a different iteration of of globalization the exciting the sort of the challenge for me inside of this this new era uh, this new era would be that uh, it could be one where new political templates and parties are either that are in process of being created now or will be created, we'll, we'll, we'll see that that could happen, a world in which a new framework of sort of organic economic growth uh, could be discovered, a world where many of the artificial stimulants for growth, uh, such as indebtedness and uh, the the, I would say, sort of the tentative involvement of central banks, you know, in in uh, in uh, access purchase. All that is going to have to be going to have to be redone. That is very true. Uh, JR, uh, we have come to our end of uh, segment three. Let's uh, take a short break and then we can summarize in the next segment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Uh, We are on our segment four. And with our guest, JR, today, we are talking about globalization. We are actually revisiting globalization in this year, that what's happening with globalization. Now, there are a lot of things which have happened in the global markets. A lot of activities have happened. Uh, Russia-Ukraine war also we saw. Uh, decarbonization thing, that who should drive it? Uh, who should be uh, following? Who should be driving? Should it be together? What is the best case? What is the worst case for that? A lot of permutation combinations about globalization being talked about. Now, who, in, in other way around, who could be winners and who could be losers if the so-called deglobalization happens, which, which could be very difficult to, to untangle uh, the global networks which have been, which have been, in place for so many years. Yes, definitely. U.S.-China relations uh, went down lowest level in many generations. There has been a chaotic uh, Brexit. And then it, it is not that it ended there. Then the pandemic hit. It hit the cross-border supply chains. But overall, despite all of it, as you mentioned in 21st century, you know, it's not 21st century, 2021, the business came back and the global trade level started coming back uh, rather higher than the past levels. So it is yet to be seen whether as an impact of all the factors which are impacting it, including the planet getting hot and all that, what's going to happen? It's going to be getting together and everybody growing or in <coughs> untangling and slow down for each one of them as you gave the right example by uh, uh, using a pie. <laughs> will people, will countries, nation states work together to grow the pie and a bigger share or will they shrink into their own pie and further shrink it by restricting the trade within their pie? What I would like uh, uh, you, JR, if you can kindly share with our listeners today, what are the major, like the top problems you see globalization is facing today? Well, Mahesh, I think I, I think there are four primary problems, and uh, these are problems that sort of either come out of the dark scenario uh, or or just plain observation. The, the first one, uh, the first problem that that I think everybody would acknowledge is the idea of uh, political uh, discontent. 
You know, I see a lot of things there. We see that around the world. We see that uh, I just, we're at the time of this uh, particular program, we're just seeing in the United States a difficulty uh, in uh, electing a Speaker of the House of Representatives in Congress, which is usually just sort of a ceremonial process, but took very true. Right. Uh, and the second problem is is economic growth. Uh, the uh, this since the uh, we're we're in the twenty first century, economic growth worldwide has been sort of. Um, Running out of steam, so we got to we got to figure out uh, how to how to I would say make that more organic. And inside of that, there's a long discussion about the role of the central bank, the role of indebtedness, and and a lot of other things. Now, the third thing is sort of more of an intangible. I would call it probably the intangible. Uh, infrastructure uh, of of many countries. You know, we can look at uh, trade numbers. We can look at at uh, capital flow numbers. We can look at people numbers. But there's 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 sort of this intangible inside of a country that sort of stabilizes uh, growth and uh, things like the labor market and uh, their innovation and their way that they in. That they they integrate technology and this 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 sort of uh, intangible infrastructure which which goes on on uh, systems of law and how strong their their institutions are and then and then the fourth one uh, is is kind of vital uh, and we talk about it a lot but it seems to kind of hide in the background and that is education one of the most vital ingredients uh, of of stability in a country and stability of the economy and bringing to bring about uh, organic economic growth has to be education. Um, it'll be fascinating over the next decade to sort of watch how these regional, uh, how regions and countries change and evolve and how this uh, drives political change within them. And, and the hope is really to establish institutions and laws and skill sets that, that, that are needed for countries and regions to enjoy uh, stable eco economic growth, uh, high human development, and, uh, and stable public life. Yeah, I think uh, you have hit the nail on the head. These four problems which you talked about, that would be the deciding factor. And especially the ones which at times doesn't get noticed, or it gets noticed, but general public may, may, may not be hearing much about is the political discontent. The example of voting 15 times to pick up Speaker of the House in a developed economy like US clearly shows in the same party, it is not different party, in the same party, how much is the discontent on the economic policies or the overall policies of a party? That yeah. means they are not aligned themselves and that can happen only for political gains. If somebody thinks that if I align with this guy, my chances of winning election in my own constituency 
would be less because they are aligned with somebody whose policy is a little bit different and is representing is the leader of our party now that's a very very uh, strong statement and then you are negotiating inside the party means you're trying to give a little bit of your value system which i admire that you're flexing so that the the team or, or the party goes together the elected representatives but this is an issue and and if you look at the top 5 economies of the world which probably should lead or can impact the globalization or deglobalization impact in 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 this sense of their size uh, starting with us then china japan germany and india now uh, because india displaced uh, uk to be in the fifth place if you look at these five economies uh, how well do they get along with together uh, with, with each other how well are the trade networks already organized now uh, germany is part of eu and uh, they have been leading there but brexit got out of it which is now the number 6 the, the brexit when i said brexit mean britain which is number 6 economy very powerful economy and now you see the political structure in china is not democratic so that can have their own compulsion how to behave on certain things like we saw an example in in during the pandemic which is still continuing relying only on their own policies on covid and their own vaccine not aligning with the rest of the globe where there was a common development for an effective vaccine leverage it the common wealth created by all the nations in their interlacts to create a vaccine to fight a disease together why separate yourself out in fighting a common global disease which is a pandemic you know so those are very important points yes i agree germany uh, india and us could look like uh, you know normal ally because of the democratic nature of the governments there but even in democratic uh, countries we saw what happened uh, picking up the speaker in us inside a party how much has to be negotiated same way the other countries may face especially democratic they face it a political situation where they may have to take a decision which is not what they want to take the ruling party but to stay in power or the opposition party trying to come into power so this political thing is very important and and that can drive an unnecessary unnecessary irrational behavior and yeah, can impact it's it, it's almost uh uh mahesh uh, uh, uh sort of a um a recession in the democratic nature of a lot of of countries right that are you optimizing your actions for global growth or you're optimizing your action only for your growth or the third option could be for nation states when you're taking those actions do they have at least a long term optimization for global things you know surviving alone at times is not possible in 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 current environment for last few decades the the dependency on the expertise across the globe has grown the connectivity has grown so jr very interesting discussion today unfortunately we have come to our end of segment 4 i thank you so much uh, for uh, joining uh, the episode today uh, my pleasure thank you you've been 
listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week. Thank you.